he didn't want to get involved in the Senate race and be at a political event in Indiana ahead of the primary. Anything to that at all, or is mm, it, well? Let me, we, we have a saying down in Nikki Blaine: "Some days a cigar really is just a cigar." <laughs> yeah. Stay tuned. That's just part of what's ahead in our bonus content. More conversation coming up after this week's edition of In Focus. Exploring the issues that matter most in Indiana. This is In Focus with Dan Spieler. Good morning, I'm Dan Spieler. We're just nine days away from the Indiana primary. It's been called the nation's nastiest GOP primary. And tomorrow, the three Republican candidates for U.S. Senate will be back on the debate stage after squaring off this past week in Fort Wayne. My two opponents have got a record. You know, they, they've been in politics as their career. And I think that they're going to have to make the case that do we need to send more people from the farm system of politics that have given us the results we're dealing with? Frankly, the guys I'm running against are not who they say they are. We've got one guy, Mr. Braun, who is a lifetime Democrat, just became a Republican in the last few years. How can we trust him to stand up for conservative Hoosier values in Washington? Mr. Rakita, he runs around the state with a MAGA hat on, and he was just told by the Trump campaign to take down his yard signs because he's been falsely claiming for weeks and months that he has the president's support. I am the only one on stage here tonight, and you can also throw Joe Donnelly into that mix, that has never voted to raise your taxes, and I never will. We need to send real leadership to the to the U.S. Senate to hold the line when it comes to raising taxes. We just got tax cuts done. That's the direction we should be going. All right, and again, the final debate comes tomorrow night right here in Indianapolis. You can watch it right here. I'm joined right now by the moderator of tomorrow's debate, conservative radio host, blogger, and attorney, Abdul Hakim Shabazz. You've kind of been uh, <laughs> thrust into the middle of this somewhat, uh, more than most moderators perhaps, after Congressman Rokita initially said he would not do this debate, said some things about you personally, uh, that you weren't, quote, conservative enough to moderate this debate. Now he's come around. He says he will do the debate, but again, took some swipes at you in the process. What's this debate going to be like tomorrow night? Uh, well, hopefully it'll be, uh, Dan, a debate about the issues so that Hoosier voters, uh, Republicans, and also Democrats, as well as independents, you know, can size up these three candidates, you know, see what they're about, see where they are on the issues, and see how they're different. Because it, it really, philosophically, there isn't a whole lot of daylight between the three. They all support Donald Trump. They're all pro-Second Amendment, pro-life, you know, support building the wall, you know, tougher trade sanctions against, like, you know, the Chinese. So for me, it is an opportunity for the candidates to distinguish themselves between each other not distinguish themselves between the moderator. The moderator is not on the ballot because the moderator's wife would kill him if the moderator <laughs> were on the ballot. It's about the candidates, not the moderator. Rokita suggested he was going up against his opponents and the moderator in that press And plus release. it wouldn't be a fair fight because I don't know what the questions are ahead of time. <laughs> That's so. a good point, right. How do you approach this, though, in a situation like this? You know, I know obviously it's a job you take very seriously as the moderator. How do you ignore that elephant in the room, focus on the questions that you want to focus on? The same on. way I did during my days as a journalist, the same way I do in my days as an attorney. You're paid to do a job. You put whatever think, thoughts you might have personally, you leave those at the door, you do a job. People are not here watching the debate on Monday night you know, to hear what the moderator has to say. They're here with, they're, they're listening to the, the answers that the candidates have to give. Hopefully everybody will stay focused. I, I will say this, though. I'm not going to let people just run wild and crazy 
and get out of control because you know Hoosiers have serious questions. So it behoove the candidates to focus on the questions, once again, not the moderator. And a lot of the questions do indeed uh, come from Indiana voters. More with Abdul coming up this morning. We'll also talk with the head of the Indiana Debate Commission later on. This week we also sat down with the vice president's former press secretary after Mike Pence came here to Indianapolis for a big jobs announcement. But will he weigh in on this Senate primary? And what about the controversy over Todd Rapita's campaign signs that some thought might imply an endorsement from the president or vice president? Here's Mark Lauder with our Frank Mickens. President and vice president have not endorsed Todd Rokita or any candidate in the United States Senate uh, primary race. Uh, the one thing they are all focused on is making sure that we have a good Republican candidate who can uh, take on Senator Joe Donnelly because Indiana needs a senator that stands with the president, cutting taxes, strong on national defense, and that's something that we do not have right now with Senator Joe Donnelly. So do you anticipate they will stay out of this primary? Uh, I don't want to get ahead of what the president and vice president may or may not do, but I'm not aware of any plans at this point uh, for them to endorse uh, in, before the primary. Right. So Vice President Pence was in town yesterday touting the Infosys investment, the 3,000 jobs, and in his remarks he reminded Americans that the idea was we're going to cut taxes, we just had this tax cut. And then there are some people, working families, that are saying they're not noticing a whole lot of difference in their paychecks. Do you think the tax plan is going to be a campaign issue that's going to help in this midterm election? I do, because I, there are Americans and Hoosiers out there who are getting uh, more money in their paychecks on a, on a weekly or biweekly basis. But the big benefit's going to, when they file their taxes next April, under the lower taxes, we've doubled the uh, personal exemptions. So twice as much money now is tax-free than it was before. We doubled, the, nearly doubled the child tax credit for families who have children. So there are things that you are definitely going to see. You're going to notice it in your paychecks now, but you're really going to notice it next April. And then even more importantly, because of the changes in the corporate tax code, we see companies like Emphasis. We see companies coming to Indiana, coming to the rest of America. I mean, let's remember, Chrysler announced plans to bring auto manufacturing from Mexico to Michigan. When was the last time we heard that happening? And it's because of the president's leadership. And I think as more jobs are coming, as, as incomes are rising, uh, people are going to see, they're going to like what they see. And the vice president touted some of the administration's economic policies in his visit to Indiana Thursday for that jobs announcement. Our Trevor Shirley has more. Well, this is likely one of the biggest investments by a tech company that we've ever seen in Indiana. State and local leaders say they hope it's part of the state becoming a regional tech hub. Vice President Mike Pence says this is proof that President Donald Trump's economic policies are working. Something about this deal that is raising some eyebrows, more than $100 million worth of tax incentives. I mean, this is a new day in America. It's a new day for opportunities for working families and small businesses. It's a new day for growth and opportunity, and I truly do believe the best is yet to come. Truly transformational commitment to our state, a commitment, again, that's not just going to create jobs, but it's going to help, it's going to help uh, develop and grow this, the next generation of talent. Now, some of those tax breaks are conditional, meaning emphasis has to hit certain benchmarks before they qualify for those. In the meantime, construction is expected to begin sometime by the end of 2018. Reporting downtown for In Focus, I'm Trevor Shirley. Now back to you. All right, Trevor, thank you. Up next, talking about Mayor Joe Hogsett's State of the City address as he tries to tackle the pothole problem. And the children's book now making news in a Senate race that, frankly, at times has been somewhat childish. Our panel weighing in after the break.
now with the rest of our panel, Democrat Jamar Cobb-Denard, former GOP lawmaker Mike Murphy. Let's talk about this Senate race, guys. This debate tomorrow, the final debate, and more developments this past week. Where is this thing headed, both uh, here in the primary and in the fall? Do you well, think? because there's no independent objective polls out, you're, you're kind of relegated to looking at the prediction markets, like right. Predict It. And Predict It on last Wednesday said Braun has a 59% chance of winning, um, Rokita has a 33% chance of winning, and Messer has a 15% chance of winning. Mm. Now, is that independent, scientific? It's based on people getting access to internal information and literally betting on the well, outcome. Some, some so who knows? Um, campaign polls done by the campaigns themselves that have been leaked out have suggested also that perhaps Mike Braun is in the lead. Who does Joe Donnelly want to face, Jamar? You know, if I were Joe Donnelly, I'd want to face Mike Braun. One of the things I've noticed in all of the ads between the three Republican candidates is that they've been light on attacking each other. They've kept it jovial. They've kept it funny. That protects any one of the three of them from dirty attacks from Joe Donnelly and the general. So, Abdul, as you look at this uh, moving forward, yeah, we've seen these attack ads. But a lot of the attacking has gone on between Messer and Rokita, it seems. Is that even relevant if they're second and third right now, and if Braun's the guy who's really in the lead? I knew that there was. I knew that Mike Braun, although Mike was right on, you know, some of the, there is no quote independent polling, but I knew that Mike Braun was ahead in this race during like the the second debate when both Luke Messer and Todd Rakita both started attacking him, and you both those started doing the old they WWF. teamed up on him. Yeah, they yeah. Don't do the old WWF wrestling tag team. And the other guy. So why are they still fighting they, each other? Because they hate each other. I mean, that, <laughs> I mean, it's Occam's razor. You know, guess what? Sometimes simple explanation is what it is. Luke Messer and Todd Rakita do not like each other. It has gotten personal. It's got as nasty. They hate each other, and it'll be interesting to see you know who's moving into whose house. You know, in Virginia on, you know, on the 8th. Well, let's talk about that book. This is the latest item here to go viral in this race, a children's book written by the Rokita campaign about Luke Messer moving his family to Virginia called All the Places You'll Forget, the latest chapter in a race that has seemed somewhat childish uh, at, at times. So again, something like this, is it a waste of time attacking each other? If Braun's the one in the lead, we should mention also news this past week that Rokita had his own brush uh, with the law in a potentially alcohol-related situation when he was young, days after he called out Messer for his former DUIs. Um, all of this back and forth, is it, is well, it helping you know, Braun when Messer and Rokita clash? The, the Rokita arrest was just another case of somebody living in Glass House. I mean, it was stupid for him to attack Messer when he knew he would be attacked. The book is just silly. I mean, he printed 20 copies. The news media is talking about it. We're talking about it. But what I want to know is what are people in Cherubusco, Indiana talking about? What are people in Sullivan, Indiana talking about? They're the people who are going to decide the race, not, not the central Indiana bubble. And what are the issues people are talking about? I mean, you mentioned that, Abdul, when we spoke earlier. I'm going to try to keep this on the issues tomorrow night in the right. debate. But what are the issues, Republican voters? And then I'll turn to Jamar. I mean, there, there are a lot of issues out there. The we're talking side. about before we went on air, no issue of the national debt. I mean, everyone's in favor of tax cuts and tax, and tax cuts. Okay, that's fine. You know, we're sitting on a trillion dollars worth of debt, and as interest rates start to creep back up, that's more money the government's got to pay. You know, what about issues of trade? You know, Indiana exports a lot of soybeans and you know, a lot of pork. You know, what does all this mean for agriculture and you know, Indiana's farmers? Tariffs, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. So there, there are lots of substantive things out there if we can get past you know, right. twenty-year-old. DUIs and, you know, cheap imitation cat in the hat books. <laughs> what issues do you think these candidates, the actual issues, will they be vulnerable on 
in this debate and in this campaign that you'll be watching for tomorrow night? Foreign policy is important. Uh, education is important. Uh, but really, these candidates have to get back to the issues because, as Mike and Abdul have said, uh, this tit-for-tat back-and-forth thing in glass houses isn't going to work. All right. We're also talking about the 4th District primary, the race to replace Todd Rokita. Also getting pretty nasty. The Diego Morales campaign not happy about this flyer they believe was the work of uh, one of their opponents, a claim that Steve Braun's campaign denies. The Morales campaign saying this flyer smacks of, quote, desperate racial taunts. Abdul, your thoughts? Um, when I saw that, uh, that one and another ad that they ran about uh, Diego being fired because of some past job experience, I was like, wow, okay. Now now it's real and, and now it's deep. Uh, I, as far as the racial element goes, I mean, I ran it by some other people. They said, no, they didn't really think it had that racial element, trying to say that Diego's an illegal immigrant. I mean, but I say it's neither here nor there. I think the person... Well, he's an immigrant, a yeah. c- illegal citizen. A legal yeah, citizen. Right. I, think the, I think the person to watch for in this race is the sleeper candidate, which is Jim Baird. Because if he can come in second place in enough places, Braun comes in first half the district, Diego comes in half the other district, Baird runs right up the middle, and he's now an ex-congressman for the fourth. He hasn't been raising a lot of money, hasn't been on TV as much as the other guys, but could have enough name recognition He's, to they've in actually done a lot. Places. They've actually done a lot of digital stuff because I kind of monitor a lot of you know Indiana newspapers and all of West Central Indiana, Jim Barrett's name and is popped up in digital ads well all over the place. Too. Yeah, Mike? Well, first of all, I think you know Diego uh, is, is an Air Force veteran, honorably discharged, number one. But number two, he is learning what it's like to be in the big leagues. You know, he's used to going to Republican Lincoln Day dinners and smiling at a lot of people. Everybody likes Diego. That doesn't mean they want him in Congress. And that's what we're going to find out in, you know, just over a week. There's a district Republicans have always won, but there is a Democrat running in this district also, uh, a veteran herself. Yeah, you, you know, the fundraising, though, is what's really going to tell the story. Yeah. Uh, the, the person or group behind this ad, Citizens for a Stronger America, uh, raised $3.5 million from New York City and Chicago or some of the Midwest. And they spent the most money, $177,000, attacking Diego that he's not Trump enough. But he came from the Pence administration. Yeah. I don't get it. Yeah. So I think this is really a chance for Steve Braun uh, to, to take the lead with these ads. Some of the same dynamics we're seeing in that Senate race, I guess. Uh, other races you're keeping an eye on as we well, get closer the to the two primary. primaries. One is the Greg Pence, Jonathan Lamb. Um, I found out this week that uh, Lamb has paid himself back $350,000 this week, which in my kind of traditional political mind says he's given up the ghost because he's trying to get his money back. He's trying to cut his losses. The other race to watch at the state level is watch the, uh, the House uh, primary, Republican primary in Hamilton County. Jerry Torr has quite a fight on his hands, and they're, they're trying to gather the troops and get them to Hamilton County and, to help them out. And there's that state Senate primary up there. Yeah, there's another one as well, well which, could, which could yeah. play, yeah. A- Abdul, how about yourself? I'm watching the uh, Mike Delph, Corey Meyer race, because Mike, that's interesting, because Mike Delph is actually getting a, sort of an attack from his uh, sort of political center left, as opposed to center right, the way these right. things usually go. ads on the air. Right. Uh, Travis yeah. Holdman up in the Fort Wayne area, he's got a far right primary challenge. Um, so those are some of the races I'm keeping an eye on. I don't necessarily think Jerry Tord has too much to worry about uh, with his primary opponent. I moderated a forum uh, up there. His opponent is a nice guy, but didn't really seem to move the crowd, uh, move the needle. Uh, something to really pay attention to is the number of Democrats in contested primaries in Hamilton County. But I, I know it sounds weird, but, Demo- yeah, but yeah. Democrats sort of planted a blue flag in the very red Hamilton County, which might be sort of you know, a signal that... You know, down the road, they're getting ready to invest the time and energy and effort, but those are some of the races I'll be paying attention Democrats to. Democrats have a contested primary in the ninth District in this pr- May primary. What else are you keeping an eye on in this primary and 
end into the fall. The 9th District primary is interesting. It's going to strengthen both of those candidates for going up against Trey Hollingsworth. The Corey Meyer race is especially interesting right now. The Indianapolis Chambers PAC just dropped $30,000 on her yesterday, mm. uh, and so she's getting a lot of big support. Um, also, the race for sheriff in Marion County yeah. uh, between Forrestal and Benjamin, uh, that's going to come to Election Day blows at the polls. All right, let's talk about Marion County. This past week here in Indianapolis, it was Mayor Hogsett's State of the City Address. But the state of Indianapolis is not perfect, especially when the roads that brought you here tonight show the damage of decades-long underfunding of our infrastructure. And the state of Indianapolis is not perfect when, on a cold spring night, a stray bullet takes the life of a one-year-old baby girl. The mayor acknowledging potholes and crime have been a problem this past year in Indianapolis as he delivered his State of the City address this past week, announcing a nearly $90 million infrastructure plan. Potholes and crime, two problems that have certainly affected the city, but have they also hurt the mayor politically? Well, that's way too early to tell. He's up for re-election in 19. That's like two political lives away. But only um, a year away. <laughs> yeah, no, but still, it's a, it's yeah. a long time away. There's a lot, lots going to go up. Well, water's going to pass under the bridge by then. But in the meantime, the one thing I like about this guy is he enjoys being mayor. I mean, last week he outlawed um, goaltending gold yes. in Indianapolis, right. which I actually, as a Republican, <laughs> applauded. I mean, so the guy has some big problems. He has money problems. I mean, budget problems, not personal problems, but budget problems. But he does seem to not take himself too seriously. Is he politically vulnerable on these issues? Mike is right. We've got some time before we get to the 2019 election. But his messaging at the State of the City address positions him well for whatever strong competitor that the Republicans put up in 2019. Uh, I think Joe's a lot more vulnerable than people think. Uh, go, go back to 2006 uh, with former Mayor Bart Peterson. You know, we were getting, you know, the crime problem was a big issue, which then led to the property tax issue. And nobody saw yeah. that coming. Yeah, but nobody saw that yet. coming. I think if you look at you look where we are now, I see some of those same some of those same fundamentals starting right now. We're, quickly speaking of his predecessor, by the way, Mayor Hogsett's predecessor, Greg Ballard, how about this from columnist Matthew Tully this week suggesting Greg Ballard for VA secretary, longtime Marine, spent eight years as mayor and manager of our city, has expressed interest previously. Quickly, you think uh, might be a good idea? I think it'd be outstanding. He was After a Ronnie colonel. Withdrew this week. He was a colonel in the Marines, a logistics guy who knew how to get things done, and he did well as a mayor. I think he could right. do it for the VA. We got to leave it there. Up next, we're going to show you a new interactive feature on our website where voters can hear more from the Senate candidates. We'll show you that and talk with the head of the Indiana Debate Commission about tomorrow night's debate. Welcome back. I want to show you a pretty cool feature on our website that tracks a number of the interviews that we've done with the candidates for U.S. Senate. You just click on their face here and you'll end up seeing a number of the interviews that we've done with the candidates, different questions, how they've answered those questions. Luke Messer, Todd Rokita, Mike Braun, Joe Donnelly, they're all on this interactive feature on our website that we'll have up between now and the May primary. Well, I'm joined right now by Jerry Linosko at the Indiana Debate Commission, also a journalism professor at IU, head of the Debate Commission. Fair to say there's a lot of buzz, Jerry, surrounding this debate tomorrow night, more than most, perhaps. That is true, and we appreciate the, uh, we appreciate the coverage. We're hoping to have a wide dissemination of this debate. That's our mission as the Indiana Debate Commission. Uh, we put voters first. That's our, that's our motto. And so this one's about voter questions. We have uh, 
At last count, I think more than 40 uh, news outlets around the state that are going to be carrying our debate in one form or another, and there are probably many more that we just don't know about. So uh, we're excited for Monday. And we'll have it live uh, right here tomorrow night uh, on both of our stations. Tell us a little bit more about the debate commission, because despite a lot of the, the noise surrounding this particular primary and this debate, this is a, a group, the debate commission, that has a, a pretty long tradition of being fiercely uh, nonpartisan with, as you mentioned, a lot of the questions coming from Indiana voters themselves. That's right. We're used to being a little more in the background on these things. What we really want to do is foreground the candidates and the issues. We've been around for 10 years. We started as a nonprofit, independent, nonpartisan organization, and we've remained that way for 18 debates, both primary debates, uh, general election debates, Republican candidates, Democratic candidates, Libertarians. Um, and uh, we really do put the focus on the voters. So while we have a moderator who will help keep the conversations on track, most of the questions do come from Hoosier voters, and we've had well over 100 submissions on our website uh, of questions from voters. And I know it'll be uh, obviously a busy year for you guys, not just with the primary, but uh, more debates uh, in the works for the, for the fall? That's right. We uh, do uh, try to do statewide debates for the major races, and so in the Senate general election debate, in the fall or general election in the fall, we'll try to do at least a couple, maybe three debates at that time. Uh, highest ratings ever tomorrow? Does that matter to you at all? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I can't speak to the ratings, but uh, we do know that uh, just from uh, our past experience that we have the debates that get the widest dissemination That's because good. we offer yeah. free satellite feed for everybody. And you can, as we mentioned, watch the debate right here tomorrow night at 7 p.m. and on our website and mobile apps as well, where we'll also be reconvening our, our panel for some post-debate coverage online tomorrow for this final Republican debate in the race for Senate. Jerry, thank you so much. We appreciate it. We're back with this week's Winners and Losers right after this. All right, time to wrap it up with this week's Winners and Losers. Abdul, I'll start with you. Uh, the winners will be the audience on Monday night's uh, Indiana Debate Commission. They will have all three candidates there. And a great question. They will have the most yeah. awesome, amazing moderator <laughs> who ever walked the state of Indiana. Wow. <laughs> One of the most modest, too. <laughs> That's a big Two win. <laughs> uh, I think our loser for the week is Kanye West and also President Trump for their PR buffoonery uh, about themselves in the, in the media. Mike? Well, I think my winner actually is uh, Donald Trump. Before the North Korean uh, talks with South Korea, he did have an impact. No matter, you know, we don't know exactly, but we think we did have, he did have an impact. And my loser has to be Paul Ryan. First time in American history a congressional chaplain has been fired for no apparent reason. Yeah, another story that's been making news this past week. Gentlemen, thank you so much. We appreciate it. Thank you for watching. Again, you can watch our debate coverage live right here tomorrow night. And we'll see you again next Sunday in Focus. All right, hanging out behind the scenes here after the show with Abdul, Jamar, and Mike. So many topics in the news. We talked about the midterms, the debate tomorrow night, Abdul, that you're moderating. Uh, what else are we not talking about that, that could play a big factor uh, in the news this year or in this upcoming midterm election? Something I think is really worth paying attention to is, this is going to sound really weird, uh, and almost inside baseball, the Marin County race for sheriff on the Democratic side. You have uh, Gary Forsall, longtime you know, sheriff's employee, backed by the mayor, backed by a county party, but you also have Bill Benjamin, a former IMPD officer, uh, so sort of running this insurgent. You know, campaign, and this involves you know the classic you know insider versus outsider, and there is a big heavy racial element to this as well. There are a lot of African Americans who are not happy with the way they think Bill Benjamin was treated 
you know, by the Democratic establishment. Bill Benjamin's got like hundreds of volunteers. I mean, he had Babyface Edmonds show up, yeah. you know, in town this week. We had about 400 people show up for that. And they, they actually, they're running out of yard signs. They cannot give out yard signs quick enough. Now, yard signs don't vote, but guess what? The people who put the yard signs out do vote. So I, I definitely keep an eye out for that. And race. some word that Forrestal may be getting Andrew, Andre Carson's support in this race. Perhaps, and, too. and the African Americans are not happy about that. They would have preferred, but a lot of black elected officials just stayed out of that race, whether it was Milo Eldridge, the clerk, or Andre Carson. Uh, no, they're, they're, there's a deep undertow and a lot of angry, ticked off people right now. So I definitely keep an eye out on that one. What else are you watching uh, this election year, Jamar? The other one is, is Jim Harper. Uh, so he ran Running for, for Secretary of State. Secretary of State, yeah. right? He ran for State Senate a few years ago. Um, There's a poll that was released a couple of weeks ago uh, that had him just a few points within Connie Lawson. Um, so that's great for the Democrats. The other thing that the poll didn't say, though, uh, was what the um, race between Braun and Donnelly would look like. They had Because they messed up the question. So that's they what had, it they seemed like. The they messed up the question, so they had to. That right. And that was, that was the one thing I wanted to see. That's what everybody wants to know, right? How would that race look? That was just goofy. I'll tell you one race we need to be looking at, very small race, but important for the South Side, is the small claims court race. Um, we have not talked about that. Everybody, likes to, make, everybody <laughs> likes to make fun of the small claims courts not in Marion County and says they're all corrupt and everything. Mitch Daniels tried to get rid of them. But you have two candidates there. You have a guy named Joe Schaefer. There was no slating, by the way. You have a guy named Joe Schaefer who had a Supreme Court reprimand for stealing money from his partners. Now one of those partners says, uh, well, it really wasn't so bad after all. Then you have a woman, Cheryl Rivera, who's a former deputy prosecutor running. Um, will having a Latino last name in Perry Township hurt her in the race on, uh, on May 8th? Who knows? Just a lot of moving parts. You have uh, three legislators, um, Aaron Freeman, Mike Speedy, and Jack Sandlin uh, backing Joe Schaefer. And then you have five or six former Republican county chairmen backing Cheryl Rivera. So it's 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 open. Mike it's, it's actually open civil South war down there races. in Perry Township. Yeah. Yeah. missing out the torches yeah. and pitchforks. With and that's yeah. the same thing that's happening with Democrats between Benjamin and Forrestal as well. And it's not just uh, a race thing, and it, it has become some of that because you have um, African Americans who are supporting Kerry Forrestal as well. Um, our former uh, sheriff is supporting him. Our current deputy sheriff is supporting Kerry Forrestal. Um, and we have Andre Carson's commercials out uh, on the radio supporting Kerry Forrestal as well. Um, but this has also come down to the process of how candidates are put before voters. Uh, and it's really created a big shakeup. And uh, we'll see what happens over the course of the next couple of years. Voters think, tend to push back when uh, they're told what to do, right? That was sort of the theme of... 2016 It's funny you bring that up because there actually is quite a bit of that. I think what we're seeing is what happened at the national level finally sort of really seeped down, you know, to the county level here in Indianapolis, whether it is, you know, the Bill Benjamin versus Kerry Forsall, you know, what Mike just talked about, you know, in the Perry Township, you get sort of, you know, the people who are being backed by the establishment and you get sort of the non-establishment folks sort of pushing back. So, like I said, this, this thing we've seen back and forth is, at the national level is finally hitting down. Is here. that what's hurting Luke Messer in this Senate race, for instance? It, it may be, but I would, I would uh, disagree with Abdul to, to one point, and that is that this is just happening in the last few years. I remember back in 1996, which is a long time ago, sure, it's been Mar happening. Marion County Maybe Sheriff uh, Jack Cotty screamed at the mm -hmm. state delegates from Marion County that they had to back Sue Ann Gilroy for lieutenant governor. Well, she didn't make it, right? Most of Marion, a lot of Marion County voted against Sue Ann, even though she was a fine candidate, 
people were just tired of being screamed at and tired of being told what to do. So I want to talk about uh, Vice President Pence's visit this past week as well and some uh, issues touching on national politics uh, because we had Mark Lauder on the show and, and he made the point that, hey, I was on the Trump-Pence leadership team and uh, the Trump-Pence leadership team hasn't endorsed Todd Rokita or anybody in this race. Democrats put out a press release this week saying that the Pence schedule change, the, the tax event being canceled in lieu of this Infosys jobs announcement was because he didn't want to get involved in this Senate race and be at a political event in Indiana ahead of the primary. Anything to that at all, or is mm. it, well, let me, we, we have a saying down at Nikki Blaine, some days a cigar really is just a cigar. <laughs> yeah, and I, and I, can, I can say that I was actually involved in helping to plan that tax event to some degree and it was rolling forward. I didn't consider it to be political. I thought it was more of almost like a um, congressional field hearing almost. And uh, I didn't consider it to be political. It was rolling forward until about 48 hours before it was supposed right. to happen. Canceled at the last and then an emphasis thing comes yeah. in. And that's, that's a huge announcement. That, that, quite frankly, trumps the Salesforce announcement of a couple of years ago in my mind. 3,000 jobs, that's huge. Uh, but to my point, uh, the vice president has not made an endorsement in this race, um, and likely we don't think he will, correct? No, it, it, it would be highly unlikely and highly uncommon for Mike Pence to, to really step in and do an endorsement in this race. Though now, behind the scenes, but, there have been oh, a yeah, lot of no, behind the scenes, of the Pence all, team that have gone all towards the Messer all for Luke Messer, and yeah. they can't stand Todd Rakita. I mean, that's just, I mean, but anybody who's in the political class knows this already. But you will not see the vice president come out and publicly, you know, put his arm around Anyone. I mean, I think the last time he did that was uh, at his accession for governor when he came, sort of got the, not to be vice president. He had to come out, sort of put his arm around current governor Eric Holt and say, "Hey, Eric sure. is my guy. You know, here's what I need." President Trump has weighed in in some primaries in the past. It's come back to bite him. Yeah. Most um, of the special elections have not gone well for Trump. So we think he'll stay out as well. Yes. Yes. The thing is, when you do these endorsements, you always have to ask yourself. And Mike and you, Jamar, both of us as you know, political guys, what do you get for it? Now, what is the benefit? You know, is it? Do you do you do you really say, okay, hey, the governor's behind this person, so we're good, and everybody sort of rallies behind him, or do you just get a bunch of grief and a bunch of headache, a bunch of hassle, and even more divided party? Look in uh, 2006 or 2008, I think it was 2006, when Mitch Daniels backed John Costas, the mayor of Valparaiso, for attorney general. For attorney general, and Carl Brizzi and others wanted Zeller, and Mitch actually lost that fight. He, Mitch doesn't lose many. And I'm sure he eventually got even because Mitch is, can be pretty vindictive. Kind of goes back to what we were just know? talking about in terms of establishment, you know, supporting yeah. uh, candidates. There's a way to get things fire. done without making people think they're being told what to do. And there's really no win at this point. And going back to what you said and endorsing any of those three candidates um, and trying to bring a party together in two weeks before a really fractured primary. All right, let's wrap it up by talking about this debate again tomorrow night. Abdul is the, the moderator. Uh, you may have heard that once or twice <laughs> in the news the past I thought it was a weeks. candidate for a while looking at the news releases. <laughs> that, that that's right. This uh, was a 30-minute commercial for Abdul. <laughs> exactly, right? <laughs> Todd Rokita putting out the press release saying that he's going to be taking on his opponents and the moderator. Uh, in this race. What happened here, this whole, this whole back and forth? Here's what I really think it boils down to. I think it boils down to a couple of months ago, the day that Mike Braun and Luke Messer filed uh, over at the State House. Uh, the Rakita people had, uh, they were kind of trolling, trolling them. They had you know, Luke Messer of old milk carton from the 1980s, hey, where's Luke? And they had a couple people, one young lady in a Hillary Clinton mask and one person in a Barack Obama mask. But it was a white guy in a Barack Obama mask. It was kind of the, 
you know, sort of the dark face, almost sort of stereotypical 1930s, almost kind of a minstrel thing. Like, so was I, he in makeup or like a hard like mask? A, like a hard mask. Okay. And it really didn't look like Barack Obama, it looked like a really yeah. cheap imitation. And like, hey, guys, this is so not cool. And that's what I kind of put out on Twitter. And uh, Todd Rakita's campaign people have been mad and ticked off ever since. And recent, not too long ago, their uh, spokesperson, uh, Nathan Brand, said, Abdul, you know, this wasn't racist, you shouldn't be offended. I was like, oh, thank you, white person, for telling me what a, as an African-American should be offended by. And please don't, my favorite film is Blazing Saddles. <laughs> so I do not offend easily. And so when I saw this, I was like, guys, this is so not cool. I mean, just give people their day. You got plenty of time to just go about and, you know, punk control them all you want. Fundamentally, I really do think that's what this all boils down to. And now, a few weeks ago on this show, Todd Rokita uh, told me, well, why should I do all of these debates when I'm in the lead and these guys want to debate me every week? Um, and, and we asked the question on the show here last week, Todd Rokita doing this debate now, is that the clearest sign that, that he's, he's not, not in, the in the lead right now? Well, we, we don't know. Obviously. We just don't know, as you mentioned, I, I think without what, the polling. I think what Rokita has done is he's realized somebody that's advising him has said, Todd, people don't like you. So own it and be be the jerk, right? And be the jerk. Swearens wrote a column about. Yeah, that, be the that jerk Todd that can Rokita win. Wants to be your jerk in the yeah, Senate. Exactly. Was the title of it. Yeah, exactly. And uh, he's either going to be it's either going to be a great gamble or it's going to be a colossal uh, mistake. One of the two. We'll find out on May eighth. See, but see, but I do think uh, some of the polling is to be believed. But I've been privy to is some internal polling done by Mike Braun and some internal polling done by some other independent organizations. And while the margins are different. The, the orders it was exactly the same. It was it was Braun, Messer, Rokita. One poll had Messer hit by eight or nine points. One they were then like five to seven, but the order was exactly the same. And that tells me that they're all seeing the exact same thing that I was seeing, which is why they said, "Hey, Rokita, you need to sort of turn this around because you don't want the last day, you know, before you get the free media, you know, before the public have these two guys on stage beating the hell out of you, you know, and you're not there to respond." Our TV. Our two television stations are going to be carrying this debate. A lot of television stations around the state will be. So what do you think tomorrow? Will these candidates go at each other as fiercely as they have, or will they try to present a little bit more of a unified front? Maybe we'll see Rokita and Messer team up, <laughs> team up again on, uh, on Mike Braun. I anticipate that they will try to distinguish themselves from each other and be civil. Um, yeah, you're right. Civil is, is the better <laughs> word than unified. Not unified, but civil. And it's all about distinguishing their message, their issue points, and it's an opportunity for them to really sell themselves fully uh, without the sound bites and 30-second commercials. You should, you should end your campaign on a positive, aspirational note, right? That's, that's classic politics. I'm not sure Rokita can do that. I think Mesher's been trying to do that through the entire campaign. And, and you know, Braun's just been out there with his great commercials and obviously some momentum. Again. We, you know, we have no way of knowing what people in Cherubusco and Sullivan and Washington, Indiana are really thinking right now. So we're, we're, we're guessing, frankly. Meantime, uh, Joe Donnelly up on the air already during this primary cycle and uh, beefing up his campaign staff as well, just sitting there waiting to see who the winner of this primary will be uh, about a week and a half from now. It'll be interesting. We'll see what happens. Guys, thank you so much. Appreciate it. We'll be back uh, on the air again Monday night for live coverage of the debate and with analysis afterwards. And we'll see you again next Sunday in Focus.